Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra site is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. 
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. Folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. I am your host, Jeff Vance. Tonight's guest is the legend himself, Shay Butler. Now, Shay and I met last year at the Tumble Warren shoot at the HHA USA shoot. And since then, it's been kind of a ongoing friendship that's gone, gone, gone into talking about all kinds of unique things. And I've been wanting to have him on the podcast for a period of time, but he is a very, very busy man. And also then throwing hunting season a wife, kids. So it becomes a, a balancing act and we were able to connect tonight. Now he's had his story told several times on a couple of different podcasts. So we're going to kind of leapfrog from them. And if you guys want to go check him out, it's not hard to find his information on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you want to look up his podcast. Today, we're going to be mostly focused on what's all going on, uh, some history behind the, the Ranger, my story about using the SBK Oh, let's see, which one is it? It is the Pursuit. Yeah, the blade, the, the, the Pursuit blade. Thank you for that. And we're going to discuss like my experience with using this in the field in a real world scenario and as my EDC. So, man, Shay, why don't you take it over, man? It's like, why don't you give us, tell us how everything's been going for you. Like, we were before we hit record, you were telling me a bunch of solid blessings that have been coming your way. Yeah, no, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, it's been an interesting 2022. Um, we've been at this since, uh, gosh, it's, I think this is our seventh year. And last year really was our first year that we went full time. So I was in, uh, in the healthcare industry and, and it was a, it was a leap of faith to, uh, to kind of jump into this and do this full time. And since then, you know, it's kind of opened up some doors. We've, we've kind of doubled down on what we're doing in our knife business. And we also run a, another business with, uh, with our hats and, um, we've, it's just been kind of going bananas. And with that, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been great. And, um, I think 2022 is, is going to be another leapfrog year where, uh, we've been in the order taking business and in a situation where knives are not readily available. And I'm, always it seems like behind the eight ball and i think we're going to be uh announcing some some really new and cool stuff and some ready to ready to buy knives so you can have stuff uh not quite amazon quick but close to it so uh, a lot of cool stuff happening and we're excited to to kind of uh jump into this year now to elaborate on the Amazon type thing, it's like he is not discussing about like the turnaround. It's like it's it's the quality that's going to go behind it because my thoughts are on, on this process, and I think he can agree with me, is that these are going to be more like a family heirloom because the price tag is not 
um, cheap, but you don't buy cheap materials for, you don't, you, you get a greater value for the, what you're getting for it. And this is one of those things where it's like, I could take my pursuit and pass it down to my loved ones. If I, after I'm done and use with it, done using it. So that is a great part about it. So why don't you give us like, talk to well, before we get into the whole knives, I want to find out, like I've been following you all year long. I want to find out more about your buck. Can you give us that, that, uh, that story behind him? Cause you were only out in the stand for a couple of days and he was already dead. Oh my goodness. Um, these bucks that we chase, I'll tell you what, you're going to lose sleep. It wasn't just a couple of days. It was a lot of hours. Um, but that was, uh, gosh, I can't think of the date. I should know this right off the top of my head. It was around, I think the, the, it was during the run around November 11th, but it was the weirdest thing. Um, we all have these hunting magazines where uh, snow starts to fall and it's like you see the buck walking in with snow on his back. Well, that morning uh, it started snowing and I just, you know, I smiled. I took pictures in the deer stand and I was like, this is just epic. And really, you know, we had a couple of deer come in that were shooters that, you know, we were looking to shoot and it just it didn't work out. I was hunting with a good friend of mine and he had taken a, a climber down into the deep, dark timber. And, um, his goal was to sit all day. Uh, after that snow though, it started to, uh, started raining and it started to get really windy. And so with the wind, I decided to move. I said, I'm out. Um, I was planning to sit all day and I don't like to, to, to move stand locations, but it's like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to move. Um, so I went, uh, got my truck and drove around the other side of the field, um, and got in the stand and it started to snow again. And when I say snow, we had 30 mile an hour winds. It was a whiteout. I was sitting in a field, wind in my face. It was miserable. It was, it was one of those things where, you know, you text your friend and he's like, are you an idiot? Are you really sitting in this? And I'll be darned. I wasn't in the stand. In fact, I don't even think I sat down and I started to see bucks running crazy um, out in the field, chasing does and in and out of the timber. And I was like, this is going to be good. Um, lo and behold, I, gosh, I, I think uh, I was in the stand an hour and I, 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 I did something really silly. Um, <laughs> and this is my rule. My rule is um, we fill does you know, in October, October, first two weeks of October, I try to kill two does and I'm done. That's it. Well, for whatever reason, it was so hot this past year and um, it just didn't feel right. And I travel about three and a half hours uh, one way and three and a half hours back when I hunt. And so it was just never the right timing. We had tons of does out there, but it was so warm and I just decided not to do it. Well, on this individual day, I just decided there was three does that came out and this was about two o'clock in the afternoon. And, um, I, for whatever reason, I stood up and grabbed my bow and I, I was like, what am I doing? This is not me. This is not, I'm not going to shoot a doe. That's silly. And they were in front of me for a good 10 minutes. And, you know, I wanted to make sure there wasn't anything following them. And, uh, I just said, you know, I, I didn't think about it. I just picked my bow up and I proceeded and I shot this deer. 
and I don't know why. I, I this is against my rule. And when I shot this doe, it literally just crumbled. It didn't go one yard. And so I texted uh, my friends at Venari, Nick Miller and Josh at Four Fletch as a joke and said, my decoy fell down. <laughs> I mean, this is a true story. 20 minutes later, this buck that I've been chasing the whole season, nose to the ground, guess where he's going? Right to that doe. Right to that doe. Comes in, nine yards, shoot him, he doesn't go a yard. Now, look, I've been hunting for a long time, and you know when you shoot a deer, they typically, you know, they'll run off and you at least go seven. You, you can heart shoot a deer and they can go 60, 70 yards. Neither the combined distance, tracking distance, was about one and a half yards. So this thing fell down, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, we're sitting 30-mile-an-hour winds. We've got, you know, it's just, it's nuts. And I couldn't believe it. And so I, I, was, I was done. I didn't have any more tags. And so I got down, and I was just, like, unbelievable. So, uh and, and if you were following along at all this past season, this was the same deer in the same spot that I was sitting that was in a fight. So I, the week before I had him come in at 30 yards and it wasn't an ethical shot. And it, I had to wait a week and try to sleep each night and think, could I have shot that deer? Should I have shot that deer? And he had, uh, he had fought with another mature buck and uh, they went after it. And I saw the video, I think I had posted it on Instagram and, um, it was, it was nuts. They, they were just, just absolutely just exhausted. One was bleeding. Um, turned out when we, uh, we recovered this deer and we wants to take some pictures. He had his like eye gouged out by this other deer the week before it was still in, but it was like pussing. It was, yeah, he was beat up. He got his butt kicked, but yeah, I don't know. It, it was a weird thing. Um, you know, I had passed them. I didn't think I, I'd ever have another chance to shoot them. And I went back to the same spot for whatever reason. I got up that morning for whatever reason. I shot a doe in November, which is silly. Um, it didn't go anywhere. And it was like, it really was. It was like a decoy. And it was, you know, it was kind of one of those things you had to laugh. I was like, why did I do that? And then I was like, well, I'm going to text my buddy and say, hey, look, my decoy fell down. And I'll be darned. This buck was on his nose to the ground, right directly to that, to that doe, shot him, he just fell over. And that was actually, we did some work with Sever, um, and that was the first time, I don't know if you saw that picture, I've never seen it, I couldn't believe it, but it actually split that deer's heart in half. And, and I've never seen that happen. Um, I don't know how, I, I, was, we were in a, I was in a pretty high location, and I shot down on him, but when we field dressed that deer, I had two two people actually uh, uh, witness it. I pulled this thing out, and they're like, "What happened to that?" I'll have to send you a picture. You won't. It's it's unbelievable. I ended up sharing it with Sever, and they they had never seen anything like it before. Um, Sever is a broadhead company. Sever is a broadhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I just happened to have because I was shooting. Uh, 
I'm now I turned I turned uh, into a Matthews guy, and I was shooting a, a target TRX uh, for a lot of the season. But for the timber, I usually shoot my my hammer, which is 86 pound uh, VXR, and uh, so I switched to that. And that was partly a mistake because after sitting all day, I barely could get that 86 pounds back <laughs> at about two o'clock that afternoon. So my goodness, but. I've, I've never, uh, never seen, it was just the weirdest thing. Um, I was super happy to get them. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it was just, it's a weird thing. Um, these deer, I'll tell you what, we, uh, we dream about them. We, it's just, it's fever, man. I'll tell you what, we, we put a lot into it. That is, that is the honest God truth there. I know what you mean. Cause this, this year, my 2021 season was a lot of fun because I've seen the most deer my entire, this entire season sitting in different spots all across the Southeastern Wisconsin. And I've seen some, I've seen the biggest buck of my life this year too, as well. The worst part was it came in on my right hand side. And when you're right hand bow hunter, that's not the side you want them to show up on, but it was a solid 160 class, 15 yards broadside. I couldn't do a damn thing, but I watched him. Boy, it was a, it was a learning experience because after he knew, because he saw me, but he didn't run away. He didn't stop. He didn't snort waste. He just walked off because it's like, dude, you don't have a shot. He just walked. He knew it too. But uh, prior to that, though, um, to getting to my story, leading to my story about using your pursuit to butcher my doe, I had a doe come out. So I had probably oh, about a, seven, eight deer come out through. I had three of them were bucks, four, four or five of them were does, but I had this one pair that kept on, didn't want to go anywhere. She's like, well, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm eyeing her up in my, in my, uh, binos. Like she's actually pretty big, got to about 30 yards out, draw back, double lunged her. And she just ran no more than 40 yards. I mean, piled up. It's like, you just watched her walk and just, just drop. It was, it was awesome. Cause it's like, I have, uh, it's because like, you never know what you're going to expect. And she had a friend with her too. And it's like, I think it was probably her twin sister. And, Part of me thought it's like, well, I could put an arrow through her, but it's like also I gotta put I gotta have, I have a I'm only it's only by myself. So it's like I got a lot of work ahead of me to, to bush this all take care of that. So it's like, well, I'll let her walk and I let as soon as she realized that her friend's dead, she took off. And that's when I just like, look, I need to go down and take care of it. Now I carry two knives with me because it's like I've heard your story with your uncle and and his uh, mule deer and stuff like that. So what I do is like I've I've had this. Uh, Gerber blade for it's a fixed blade. I've had it for years and I've butchered several deer with it. And it's like, you know, it's like she was so, uh, about average size for a young doe, like probably like two and a half, three and a half year old doe. And it's like, she's just too big. It's just like the knife was just too big for the, for the dot job. So it's like, well, I'm going to bust this bad boy out. I bust out my, my, uh, HHA USA zero number four of the series. And I opened her right up and it's like, it was a scalpel. I had no issues getting through there, getting around her lungs, get cutting that skin, getting all the right way around that, pulling out that sack. I it's it performed flawlessly. Now, one of the things I have to compliment you on is that the clip on it is removable. I didn't need to remove it, but it's like for I was listening to Ray Newberg just lay into a knife company that the belt clip was so uncomfortable when he was butchering an elk or a mule deer or something like that that it's like kind of resonated with me and so it's like well i'll see how it all works out i've read pretty big hands so it's like it didn't play a role with me but it's like i was able to manipulate the blade to cut everything out and i was able to well was was i was able to keep the the sack intact 
be able to pull everything all out. And uh, it went well. It just, I couldn't believe how uh, flawlessly it performed. And it's like, you know, you said, I think I'm the only guy that's ever used their pursuit blade on a wild animal. To my knowledge, yes, that has to be it. Yep. Uh, I haven't, I've seen some rhinos. Uh, I think the Hush guys did a an elk, an entire elk with a rhino, but I, I think you got to be the first that I'm aware of that's used uh, the pursuit to do an entire deer. So that's that's awesome. And what the the way you orchestrate the blades, but that fire tip right there allows you to get in there and really cut around what you need to get around, especially when you're cutting around the rib cage or when you're when you want to just make small incisions because you don't know how deep you're going to go, but it's like it just fit where I'm able to get just below the hair, get into that skin and just kind of open up her gut and go from there. And uh, I used it for the rest of the day and pulled uh, pull everything off and pulled the hair up, pulled the hide off and cut everything off and went from there. And it was, it was a, a very pleasant experience with it. It is my EDC. So it's like, it definitely has some wear and tear in it, but it's like anybody that's listening to this podcast, this is a great EDC for your day to day. Well, we're gonna get you a feather light this year, so you, oh, can, yeah? you don't have to use your so you don't have to use your EDC. Yeah, um, that was that was what I want to lead you to next because you came up with the feather light. Was it last fall? Yeah, we came out with the feather light, and I won't mention names, but I bought some competitors' blades. We've had some. We we've really, you know, we're kind of all over the board. Whether it's you know whitetail hunters to out west to elk, and those guys out there are crazy about weight, and so. What I was trying to do is is design something that was, you know, super sharp, thick, um, yet durable. And you know, ounces matter. We we kind of came up with the feather light, and it's a smaller blade, but it's for those guys that you know want to almost use a scalpel like, um, you know. And so we came up with that, and you know, I was like, well, guys are gonna want want to see it naked you know, without handles. And so we kind of designed it around, well, you can make it with handles. You could, we ended up doing different colors and, you know, you got the guy that buys the six colors. You got the person that just wants the blade itself. Um, I, I don't know about you, but um, I'm the guy that always does all the butchering at deer camp. And primarily I think, you know, one, I've just always loved doing that. And maybe I'm just weird, but um, two, it's really, honestly, it's been a lot of research and development and, um, it's almost like, okay, what, what did I like about this? What I didn't like about it. Um, and you know, I've got, usually I don't actually own very many of my knives. They usually it's all my buddies and they have them. And so I'm using those, but, uh, um, that's kind of how we've really came out with all of our different designs is just by trial and error and what works good. And, you know, we last year we did we uh, put together an ambassador program and got some knives out to guys and really the intent with that is you know hey tell me what you don't like about it and what's the only way that I guess you know I'm going to get better is tell me what you don't like about it and you know we can expand upon it that way so um, but yeah uh, the the feather light was was turned out to be a hit um, it was kind of one of those things where we did an introductory. Hey, let's see how many, you know, if guys are interested in this and <laughs> it turned out to be more than I, I bargained for, because I think we got into the hundreds in, in about a day or so in order. So it took me a while to get them out, but um, yeah, I think uh, the feedback I got on those was really positive. Um, 
I'm more of a bigger knife kind of guy, especially even when it comes to just whitetails. Um, and I was surprised just at, at the feedback and, you know, it worked really well. And I also had some guys do some really weird stuff with it. Um, I don't know if I've got one here. I'll show you. Um, I've got some through heat treat, but you can probably see this guys were using the back of this jimping to actually, when they're skinning down, they were using this to pull the hide down. And so, uh, there was, uh, you know, of course I told them I designed it, uh, for that. <laughs> I was like, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. I never even thought about that, but you no, know, of course, you know, we had to integrate the bottle opener here at the, at the end. It's okay. You know, we, it, it can work. It can work in a pinch, but you know, we really, you know, we focused on the blade itself and, and the geometry of that. And if other things worked out, then great. But, um, yeah, those, uh, those turned out pretty good. And, um, I'm actually making some modifications. In fact, uh, one of these is a modification. So we're going to be coming out with probably some more. We're going to be dropping some Turkey blades here and a lot of stuff going on. That is pretty express. That's pretty sweet. Cause I was looking through the, your write up on the blade and only approximately comes at 2.2 ounces. I mean, that's extremely light. It's light, but I'll tell you what it, I was worried about that. Um, but they're, they're pretty tough. They're tough little boogers. Um, and, um, you know, even with the, I think even with the scales or the handles, maybe they're 3.4 ounces, but guys were, like I said, having really good luck with them. You know, they, one guy did, I think three white tails, uh, still was razor sharp. So, I mean, that's what kind of what we're aiming for. Everybody always, you know, especially we were talking about Al before this came on and, um, guys always ask, you know, out in the field, like, how do you sharpen them? I'm like, you don't need to sharpen them. He's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, you're going to get through that animal. Um, you sh there's, there's no reason you should have to sharpen this. And so, um, we try to make them fairly sharp and, and sharpen them at a, uh, in a manner that, you know, will hold up, so to speak. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's worked out so far, but, uh, you know, there's always, there's always room for improvement. No, that's so true. I've noticed that for some odd reason, a couple of companies have now decided to come with replaceable blades. And it's like, I don't, I don't like that concept because I get it. You're trying to market to a cheaper audience and, and it's like, you can, you can, they're very easy to, uh, to, uh, manufacture and throw out there, but it's like, you're just creating more and more waste instead of having a cheaper product with the, with the throwaway blade. It's like, why don't you just put your time into having a better edge or using a better steel because the people like us diehards that like a high quality, um, item, cause we all, once you have the income level for it, or you, you've had enough mistakes, you've learned your lesson, you always are willing to spend the money for a better product. And I just, I don't get that, that, um, that philosophy. I don't get it. I don't like it. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's a place in the market for that. Um, there's always a place for that. I, I think before we, we got onto this podcast, I think where we're really trying to fill the gap is, you know, being intentional about building this and personalizing it and making this something that, you know, for example, your pursuit that you got at HHA, you know, that it's handed down. I just don't see the the intention behind the replaceable blade and maybe the value as it relates to sentimental value or something like that. 
but there is, I think there is a, a place, you know, maybe a scalpel blade when you're, you're trying to, you know, uh, there's, there's, there, there is some place for it, but uh, I'm not a huge fan. So needless <laughs> to say, yes. Yeah. So, so what was, what was the inspiration behind the feather light then? What, like what clicked in your mind and like, let's do this. Well, um, I'll be honest. We, like I said, we had some, some guys out West and actually, I was doing a podcast with Johnny Mac. Uh, that was, that was the, uh, that was kind of part of it. And he had, he had mentioned the Benchmade altitude that he liked a lot. So I was like, Hey, I'll check it out. And I said, well, I'm going to make something that, you know, I don't want to say like the Benchmade, but you know, in a situation where it's a lighter knife and you know, it's something where ounces matter. Um, and that's kind of the inspiration. We looked at a couple, he, he was talking about knives and we looked, he talked about a couple and I was like, really? Well, I think you should try this. Um, I'm going to make something and tell me what you think. That's kind of how it came about. It was more so for those guys that just really want a lighter knife and, uh, want something that if they're doing a backcountry hunt that they can throw in their pack and they know that's going to hold up. And that's kind of the the uh the, the story behind it um i'm not one of those guys that like if i skimp on anything it's not going to ever be my knife as it relates to weight uh i would cut weight in other ways but the knife thing is always when you when you've when you've been in a situation where you know you thought you were potentially not going to make it out i'm never not i'm never not going to skimp on the knife portion of it so that's why uh, I, when I heard about the one cold steel out of Ventura, California, when they came out back in the early two thousands, like learning their story behind it. Cause those guys were all ex-military, all ex-police officers. They all had a, a blade fail them in a time of need in a life or death situation. And so when they got out, that's what they do with it. Now you were telling me before I hit record regarding the range, there's a special story behind that. Oh my goodness. It's a funny one. Um, and I'll try not to get too long winded on this, but, um, one of my really dear friends out in Montana, uh, I, I grew up, I always wanted to be a sniper and that's just, that's, that's what I wanted to do. And I shot long range for a long time and went out and took a shooting school. And that's actually the gentleman that got, we can say that he got me into this mess cause I was with him when I had that accident. But, uh, I, uh, started shooting PRS. So, you've probably seen, you know, some of the PRS competitions where, you know, you got like, usually you're shooting a smaller caliber, like a, a 260 or a 65 and started doing some of these PRS matches. And I did a pro-am and the amateur, uh, was who, by the way, was an awesome shooter, by the way. Um, not an amateur in my opinion, but, um, he mentioned that, uh, his son was an army ranger. And he would like to make uh, a knife for his son. And he said, you know, and I think he is somehow connected to the Rangers uh, uh, as it relates to um, somehow he's, he's, I don't know how he, he works somehow uh, in conjunction with them. And so really a long story short, I, I made a couple of them, sent them out his way. He loved them. And, you know, the next couple of weeks, the guy, says hey i need like 12 more and this was really in the infancy stages of our company when we had just transitioned over to doing stainless steel 
where it was taking me, you know, on average 20 hours to make a knife. So, you know, you make a couple knives, you send them out. They loved them. And, you know, the guy orders 12 more. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh no, that's a, that's a lot of work. You know, that was back in the day where, you know, 30 knives was the entire year of all I would make. And um, so that actually uh, transitioned into, okay, you know, people like these. I started water jetting them and trying to, you know, make it a little bit easier to, you know, easier on myself and less time to hand cut out each one of these things. And, um, you know, those got a little bit of popularity. And then it was really, it was Chris Stewart at the bow rack. I'm sure you've heard of the bow rack. Oh yes. Uh, With the Cam Haynes. Yeah. Well, Lisa and, and Wayne Endicott, just solid earth people, um, run that shop. Great shop. And uh, Chris Stewart was one of the archery techs. He'd been there for forever. He's a great guy. And we became friends because I literally went out to uh, Oregon with my wife. And I said, if we go out to Oregon, I want to go to the bow rack. And so I just, I want to meet these folks and ended up going out there. And just like I said, it's all the earth folks. So we, I think we ended up going out to dinner and um, I became friends with Chris and Chris said, Hey, Cam's got this, this uh, fundraiser going on where he's donating a Ford Ranger. He's like, you make Ranger knives. Why don't you make him a Ranger? <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I was like, if he wants to, I mean, I, like, I'm not one of those guys that wants to, I don't want to pastor people. I realize people are busy. And, um, and by the way, Cam is just a fantastic person. I was able to shake his hand at, at the ATA and, you know, there's some of these people that, you know, on Instagram talk a different way and, you know, they act a different way when you meet them. And he was just, I mean, salt of the earth guy. Um, and so we ended up doing a ranger for him and um, he ended up using it on a bunch of elk. And I was like, I've never even thought of this. Like this was for really for a mil for the military community. I had done it. And I think he ended up, I did a stars and stripes one for him. And uh, he ended up using it the whole season. And I was like, I've never really thought about using that knife for, for an animal. And so we ended up, <laughs> I ended up uh, sending, I, I was like, well, I sent one to Cam. I better one send one or someone to Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> True. And, and what about Dudley? Have you sent one off to him yet? Uh, I did get one to Dudley. And, uh, but Joe posted it and, you know, you get the, the Joe Rogan effect. And I think I, I got tired of making Rangers because everybody wanted to get one. But, uh, so I never, what was interesting about the story is that I've never used this on an animal. And about three years ago, um, I didn't, I don't, obviously I don't, I didn't own one, but my buddy had got one for Christmas. His wife bought one for Christmas. We were hunting. There was a deer down. I was like, Hey, you got that Ranger? That I, that I made you for Christmas. He's like, yeah. And so I used it and I was like, holy cow, this thing's awesome. And so from that day forward, I made myself one finally. And that is always in my hunting pack. And that is the, that is the blade that it's the, you know, the quote unquote, oh shit blade. Um, I've been in a situation without bone saws. I've used it as a hatchet. If I need to, if I needed to, you know, cut off a tree branch or a limb, this thing, I mean, you could run it over. These things are, are meaty, you know? And so 
Um, never thought, like I said, that I'd ever use it on an animal, but it works out really well. And, you know, that that's kind of where impetus of looking at these other knives and, you know, using and trying them, how we've kind of developed all of our different models. Uh, the Ranger was really built for the military. Um, and kind of likewise, the Intrepid was built for the 307 project. What's that project? The 307 project is led by Chad Wright, who's a former Navy SEAL, and his brother, Blake Wright. Great folks, Christian folks. And Chad, uh, like I said, was a Navy SEAL, and he takes he takes folks out and he conducts what's called the basic course uh, about eight times a year. And basic course is really land navigation, getting out. I think there's a little bit of everything, you know, just as it relates to setting up a camp, like I said, land navigation, fires, you know, living off the land, you know, for three days. And uh, at the end of the course, you know, there's a team leader and they, you know, basically the team lead takes these eight people throughout and he gives them missions and um, it's pretty cool, but uh, they pick, they pick a person, you know, that kind of was the, uh, the standout and they, they get it intrepid. So I designed the intrepid for the three seven project. And we ended up, I think, sending those guys about 85 of them last year. And um, we're doing them this year a little bit different. But uh, yeah, that's that was more of a, I guess you could say like a bushcraft type of, but I got to tell you, I made myself one and I used it for whitetails uh, for my daughter's whitetail this past fall. And I was like, dang, this thing's awesome because it's super, you know, my wife will use the the, uh, the technical term stabby. It's real stabby. <laughs> <laughs> and so it works really well. Um, and so it's, you know, I, I like to say that these, these blades are somewhat dual purpose, so to speak. You know, it looks kind of mean and tactical, it, you know, appeals to the tactical community. But at the end of the day, man, it's, it's, uh, it's a great outdoor knife and really can do a lot of different things. So uh, I think that's what we're going to send to Al here in the next few weeks to have him check out and review and write an article. That is pretty cool because uh, those who don't been a fan of the podcast, I had Al on. We talked about reloading, and we barely touched the the whole paradigm of reloading because I wanted to bring a guy. I like I was looking through it. He was talking about reloading. It's like perfect. This would be the great guy to have. And it's like we probably hit like I think it was like step four or five of the 12 steps that he goes through and we talked about equipment and dyes and all that fun stuff and he articulates in such a, a sincere way that he really goes through everything and we were was right before shot show and we had a chance to ch uh, chat about how we got into his um his blog and going from there and going from, and just kind of been slowly and steadily growing his entire uh, platform so is that what uh, is that was he because you were Lead, uh, leading towards this in our conversation prior to recording but that's what uh, you guys discussed was that what you've what you kind of pinpointed would that would be the, the blade form because i thought maybe you're going to do something special one of a kind type scenario well you know so there's there's really two blade i we talked about two and one was the intrepid and one was the ranger the ranger's not really you know what i would consider a hunting knife however it was the the knife that you know i won't go anywhere without 
it's always in my pack. I always have it in my pack. It's the, like I said, it's the oh shit knife. If something goes down and I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a bind, I know that, you know, I could run it over with my truck and throw it against the concrete and we're still good to go. But we talked about, you know, he wanted something that he could, you know, go through an entire elk, but if he needed to baton a piece of wood, we could work through that. And I think from a weight perspective, the difference between the two is I skeletonized out the interior of the Intrepid. So it's got really good balance. It's heavy. And I mean, it's goodness. It's a, it's a pig. I mean, it's, it's a hundred, it's, it's a 180. It's not even, it's almost a quarter inch thick. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a hefty piece of steel, but the way that we, you know, put the geometry in the, in the, uh, in the handle, it, it really doesn't feel like it's as big as it, you know, potentially is. So we'll see. Um, we're, uh, we, we actually just, uh, just cut out some for him and put them through heat treat and we're going to probably coat those and do something special there. But, um, he was looking for a weight and so we got to get him some dimensions and stuff like that with some of the new, uh, with the new thicknesses. That is exciting. I'm looking, looking forward to see that. Now I wanted to go into, you said you have a fiber laser because I've been playing around with getting a fiber laser now for the last couple of years. And it's like, I figured like, well, maybe the inspiration will, will dry off and, and never see anything. I mean, this was almost two years ago when I first saw like, Hey, this is kind of fun to do. And as of, as have been kind of like, as the years progressed and now it's year on to year two, it's like this, this inspiration still with me. What do you, what, um, what laser do you rock? What do you use? Don't, don't ask that question. So uh, no, you, you can totally, I was, I was kidding you. Um, so, uh, this is, I play with a lot of lasers. <laughs> in fact, my entire day was, was setting up a new one. So we just got a brand new one, but we typically will run with our, our hat business. We run CO2 lasers and we run epilogues and uh, a fiber laser is a completely different animal. It's, you know, different hatchings and, um, you know, they can go upwards of 30 to a hundred thousand dollars. So, um, and that's what we, we, we pay that for, for our, our CO2s because we run them legit nonstop all day, all day. And that's how we create our, our leather patches. But I wanted something, you know, I've, I've went through this process of, you know, I had a stamp made where I stamped knives and, you know, you had a, a 10 ton Jack and you were using that. Problem with that is it looks great, but you end up pressing the backside of the knife out and then you end up having to surface grind that. And it's just a lot of work. So then I was like, well, I'm going to start etching. And that was a complete mess. You know, um, I was just etching the top of it and, you know, you use a saltwater solution and to, you know, to put your maker's mark or if you wanted to personalize something, like we did, we did knives for the bow rack and we had some stencils made and, you know, you, you can etch those. And then I was like, ah, this isn't working. So I got a different machine and started deep etching. Same, same process. But the problem with that is anytime you want to have a stencil made, you're talking, you know, probably anywhere from 20, 30 to a hundred dollars. So you got to have the stencils made and you got to hand go through and do this. And the process takes a long time to get deep into the metal. And so finally, I just threw my hands up and I said, okay, what's the, there's got to be an easier way. And there's got to be a way that I can personalize stuff for folks and make stuff, you know, 
quote unquote sentimental and, and have some meaning behind it without going through all these steps. So I bought a fiber laser. Um, it was a complete disaster. <laughs> because, you know, I wanted something made in the USA. Well, good luck. It's There's not a lot out there. And I found one that was, you know, quote unquote, made in the USA. When I cracked it open, we found out that it wasn't. And, um, and we found out the hard way because when we plugged it in, it did not turn on. Oh, no. There was, we hit the go button and, you know, I was, we kind of joked, we're like, you know, the O-N-O-F-F button, you got to turn that on and press go, wouldn't turn on. And so uh, when I call the company back, you know, you got to, these things are heavy. You got to uncrate them and, you know, it's kind of a pain in the rear end. And uh, they wanted me to do a Zoom call with someone in China. I was like, so this is not me. <laughs> kind of figure that out pretty quick, but uh, it ended up being a power source. We got it figured out. And, uh, but yeah, they're, um, they're really interesting. Um, the fibers, you know, like I said, mine was, uh, on the cheaper end of that spectrum. And, um, but what's nice is, you, you know, you can put people's names into stuff and you can get it as deep as you want to go. It, it really, it just kind of depends on time and you know your hatch structure, but, uh, that's, uh, that's something we definitely play along with all the time. I mean, people are pretty, uh, they come into the shop and, you know, like we have guys that I had a guy that just said, Hey, can you put my name into this knife? I didn't buy it from you. I know you didn't make it, but you know, it was a gift and I want to put my son's name on. I was like, sure, bring it over. That's fine. And, uh, I think that their eyes just light up, um, because it's, it's kind of a cool process. Uh, you do it for about 10 hours and you're like, okay, this, the coolness wears off, but, um, it's a, it's a cool process. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I've been researching them and I've been looking like all the guys, like I belong to a group online on Facebook. It's at 20,000 deep. So it's got tons of people to pick their brains and work with vectors and stuff like that. So I would, because my whole idea is that I want to be able to mark knives or actually engrave knives. Not marking is what you, if you have a CO2 laser, if you have a fiber laser. So looking at a 50 MOA, um, so I'm not, it's, like you said, most of all the lasers are coming out of China, so there's no really way around it unless you go above that $15,000 mark. And it's like, well, I'm in a townhouse. I don't really need something that big. But I found like the right, right around that that five to six grand is like the sweet spot of a 50 watt. I'm not, it's like, it's, it's going to be a little bit faster, a little bit more efficient. It's still gonna, it's not going to take up as much room, but it's like I'll be able to, I'll be able to place it someplace where I will be able to filter or funnel all that. Uh, uh, all that smoke and stuff that comes up, that comes off of etching and such. And I want to be able to start with doing engraving tumblers for starting off, doing knives, doing uh, cutting boards, stuff like that. But my, my end goal is to get all up to, to uppers and lowers. Now I, nice thing about this group, it told you is like, you have to get an FF, you got to get your um, FFL license. It's a, 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 a number seven. Cause it's like, you're, you're, you're not really, you're not, you're increasing the value of the firearm. So therefore you have to get one. And so that's something that we want to uh, escalate up to. So we're thinking in May, we're going to pull the trigger on getting one of those. The hardest thing about that is some of these lasers that are imported are the software and some of the software that it comes with um, because it, it's written in Chinese. So it's like, good luck. <laughs> so it was a lot of, I'll, I'll say I ruined a lot of things before I actually made uh any progress but once you kind of figure it out and 
there's a couple guys online that have some YouTube channels that I can share with you that kind of set them up. I think they're all fairly the same. Um, and that, that could be a, you know, some help. And, uh, I've learned that Lightburn too is this Lightburn is the software that a lot of guys use or, or if you use AutoCAD, then some, some people are able to import vectors using, uh, Adobe Photoshop, but there's other versions that are not so overpriced. Oh yeah. So we, uh, but we just, uh, we just had a new baby here and got a new uh, epilogue. We actually got it set up today and man, the technology has really changed. I mean, the, the one that, um, that we opened up and uncreated and got set up today, there literally is a, there's a video. So it's got a camera on top of it. So as you actually do stuff, you can watch it from your computer. And it's insane. Um, Would you go through? Do you get like a, a Maybach or a, a no? We a, we run all epilogues. Epilogues, okay. Um, yeah, so they're they're really nice. They've got great customer service. I think I've rebuilt the two that I have several times under warranty. They overnight stuff. If you ever have any issues, and so uh, add to the list of things. I'm also a laser technician. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is that is good news for me because then it's like I wanted to find that firsthand experience, like who has the best customer service because uh, that's where it, where it comes down to making a break companies. I mean, that's why Vortex is where it's at. That's where HHA is where it's at because because of how the leaders focus on the customer service aspect of it, keep people coming back and buying more. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, that's where I'm. That's where I'm headed with that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to because my my approach to it because it's like i'm not i don't know how fa how fast it's going to scale but it'd be nice to like for the folks that i do know that like they want to like i want some tumbles made up like sure just you buy the tumbles ship them here and then i'll ship them back to you and go from there and, and it's like we the nice thing is tumblers are not that expensive and they're easy to really play around with to kind of get the whole flow of them but i've seen some really cool people doing some stuff where they'll take the the breakdown of the firearm and put it right on the ammo cans like that's cool i want to do that yeah no there's some really i mean sky's the limit too and depending on, you know, there's, I think, applications for both CO2, because we run tumblers in our CO2s, and we've got rotaries. Um, and, you know, that's that's fun until you got to do about a thousand of them. Then those also become <laughs> a little challenging. But um, there's just, like I said, a ton of stuff you can do. We've done some cutting boards, and um, it's really fun, like I said, because you can personalize stuff for people and make some really unique stuff uh, that, you know, maybe – are thought out and it's just pretty neat stuff. That is so true. What's a, uh, so what do you got going on? No, we did touch base on the HHA USA. Are you going to be able to make it back up to one of the events this year? Cause it's only doing oh, six. Yeah. So there's six, there's six missions this year. And, um, you know, I, I told Chris, I, I had talked to him a couple of days ago. I'd love to make it all six. The reality is with stuff going on here in the shop and doing some coaching, that uh, at a minimum, we'd like to make at least one, but we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing six knives for those uh, different missions that will be auctioned off at the, uh, at the events. And um, I'm sure they'll end up having a feather light and intrepid. We'll see, but uh, um, yeah, really, really good, really good guy. Chris is salt of the earth kind of guy and um, anything, you know, that he has his hand in, you know, is, is usually really good work and i'm just honored to be a part of it so a hundred percent so how did you two cross paths then i actually so one of the guys that uh was uh an ambassador uh david wooten 
Uh, yeah. So Dave, uh, I had sent him a knife uh, last year, I think a whitetail and he wanted to be a part of our ambassador team. And, and he said, Hey, you really need to meet this Chris guy. And so Chris gave me a call, you know, Chris is a Christian guy and along with myself. And so we hit it off obviously. And, you know, he, he does archery, makes archery products and I love archery. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I just kind of asked, you know, you know, what could I do to help support what you guys are doing? And so we did some, some hats for, for HHA USA. Yep, I, I, got, I got one right here. Yeah, I wear, then, I wear this hat quite frequently. I, uh, since I do launch this on YouTube, I always have a hat of the uh, the episode. Uh, the yeah, hat for the episode, and I'm always switching them all out between all the different brands that I've been given over the last few years. Yep. So we uh, we did some hats for him, and then it just made sense with the knives that uh, you know we did a, a stars and stripes, and we did a couple of different things for him. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's, it's really cool. And I think, uh, I think that event is really going to get bigger over the last, over the next couple of years. It seems like it's really grown and there's, uh, there's just a lot of cool people that are getting involved and getting behind it. And so it's, like I said, it's, it's an honor for me to do anything to help support what he's doing. So it's awesome. Yeah. I, I agree with that too. It's like, I plan on being, I think I'm going to be able to make it all six, but I, I'm, or I'm only being to all five to five of the six because I know that uh, I I missed out. I like to g give uh, Brian Austin some love with the B with the Beast Mode Archery Challenge up there, and I want to go to his King of the Hill because that's supposed to see some like last year it 250 people, and yeah, and this year he's going to last year was only two courses all throughout Ty Tyrell Basin, so it's like you're going all through the elevation change, shooting all over the place. It is it is a uh, uh, an, an event of itself it's not, you can't even compare it to tack because some people tried comparing it to tack and it's not like that because it's the way he has it orchestrated it's very smooth and very flowing and he this year he's adding a third course to it so this way it's able to break up even quicker he's talking to uh vendors to show up to uh, to demonstrate products stuff like first light vortex whoever's willing to uh, be able to commit to it and go to it and i want to be able to go go to that one at least and that's in the end of july where's that at Tyro Basin is over by Mount Harrop. It's just south of Madison. So yeah. you just pretty much hop on 90 and come back on up. Well, it's close to me then. That's yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's only from St. Charles, uh, from where you live there, it's probably only like four four hour drive. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm going to, well, I make my trip down to Peoria. So that's only four, just, just under five hours. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, We'll have to figure out when I'm going up to HHA because we got to, maybe you can bring me a spaghetti pizza. Oh yeah. Oh, actually I'm going to be going down there for Easter. I'm going down there for Easter. I'm hoping to talk my wife into taking that Friday off because that six hour drive is a long one, but it, it makes it, it makes things easier to be able to go down and go pick up a spaghetti pizza. Cause those that have, that have lived in the area, just like that is absolutely legit pizza. And they're, they're known for the sauce. They've have four restaurants been around for years. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, I bring it up to my dad all the time because he used to live down in that area as well for a period of time working for Lafarge, um, for, um, quarry system down there, moving rock and all those big old trucks and such. Yeah, yeah. This weekend I ended up picking up a new bow. I got a uh, Expedition Denali uh, XL or LX, excuse me. It's from Expedition. They're out of decor. It's a brand new bow. So it's like, I, have you ever shot an Expedition before? I haven't. I haven't. I. You know, I was kind of a, I was the Hoyt fanboy. I shot Hoyt for nine years and I switched over to Matthews 
Um, and I kind of just stuck there. And so I've been shooting Matthews for a couple of years and, um, I don't know. I just, it, you know, all the bows today are really, they're all really good. I mean, the technology has really come along so far and, you know, I, I think that really, you know, everybody, I have a lot of people message me cause I, on social media, will post a lot of shooting videos and like, which bow should I get? I'm like, whichever one feels comfortable you know that's what it boils down to is you know what's what feels comfortable for you and how much weight should i get like what feels comfortable for you <laughs> you know it's just it's a feel thing but there's a lot of good bows out there um i i tend to be pretty loyal though to to brands um but i i love all bows i don't discriminate yeah i, I got a i got a, a lead up on the wall and then behind me i have my new expedition but uh what what i like that stands out from expedition coming some of those they have a limited lifetime warranty on their on their on their uh limbs and risers so this way if anything if you start seeing uh, feathering or anything goes wrong with your limb you send it in and they'll take care of it for you not not like the typical one-year warranty type thing but uh, i'm an iowa boy so it's like they're right in decor so they're only an hour and a half from me kurt Hennington is a is a is a legit dude humble as fuck he is just a hard-working guy he was there at the iowa classic this uh this past week he's one of the flagship sponsors for it but uh it's just it's just um just an all-around good guy there and plus it's like i know a lot of folks that have that have moved from Rochester to Decor to be their the head bow tech. So it's just uh it's just something special. But then I got Matthews literally 15 minutes away. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's, you know, I gotta tell you, like you asked me at the beginning of this podcast, you know, I'll tell you what, it's just, a, it's blessing and it's crazy because, you know, I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I mean, who would ever thought I've always been a knife nut, but what's even icing on the cake is, you know, I can sit and start and name people at different archery companies that we've worked with and, you know, being able to be within the industry that you actually like is your hobby and your, you know, what's fun, what you like to do on the weekends, making stuff for these guys. I mean, it's really almost a dream come true because, you know, whether, even if we're not making, you know, if, if a guy doesn't have a knife, what usually happens is they'll start with hats and they're, when they get an invoice, they're like, wait a second, who's Shea Butler knives? Cause everything runs through Shea Butler knives, LLC. And they're like, you make knives. I'm like, I, I, well, I try. <laughs> and they go to our website and, uh, but it's been a really interesting, uh, really interesting couple of years just simply because we've been able to work with some really cool, some really big names, uh, within the industry um and in in the small ones too i mean i don't discriminate we've been able to meet I, I would say we probably have within the last two years 300 customers within the hunting industry alone and so big and small uh with podcasts uh to you know some big companies like uh, hha we've done some stuff for sever and easton uh it's really cool and uh uh ultraview um and then of course chris b you know we've done a bunch of hats for him that kid knows how to sell hats i'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's chuck up too yeah i here's something for it. i got um i have some old easton game getter all aluminum uh, aluminum uh, arrows that's what i've got currently set up on my expedition i'm going to be using those for uh for target this upcoming season i don't know if you ever shot those throughout the day or oh, not yeah. 
Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> the old game players, I mean, if you haven't, then who are you, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. I, I'm I, trying I, to think where mine would be. You know, it's kind of one of those things like, oh, my gosh, where you said that. I'm like, where are those? I don't even know where those are at. So, yeah, it's a but it like we talked before, it's a sickness. You know, it's, you know, getting your bow set up. You're usually doing that now and tweaking your sights and getting different arrows. And I'll tell you what, I really do like what Chris did with with his sights with removable sight tapes. That's huge. Um, and that's always been something that bugs me is you know i'll try to start uh set up a target arrow and and you know just being able i'm look and i'm looking at it right now i got my sight tapes i got and you know i've got these wheels and it's like man it's so nice just to with a quick allen wrench you can switch your arrow and it's like everything's right there um so he's done a really nice job with that i love that how he did that oh i completely agree i just got some uh magnifying uh magnifiers on my on my tetra i got the 4x and such because my eyes are not what they used to be just not even a few years ago but putting that on my my site it's immediate eye relief and i didn't have to have a clarifier for it because i want i only want the 4x instead of a 6x and it is a game changer for one if you're having struggling seeing those long shots yeah i've never used one um i've never used one and I feel like I was like, my gosh, I, I, who did I message? So, um, I, uh, I set up this TRX and it was the first time I used a back bar. And I was like, you got, you're all cheating with this back bar, this thing, you can hold it forever. It doesn't even move. So, I was, <laughs> so there's, like I said, there's a lot of technology out there that I've never even tried. I'm, I'm really old school. And, uh, I put a back bar on and I was like, man, this is, this is incredible. You can hold, I mean, you can shoot 20 yard groups at 60. It's un- unbelievable. But uh, I know that I know what the feeling I got. I just, I found uh, at the end of last season with the 3d target, I, I decided to put a back bar on there. But once um, hunting started, I did, I took it off because I, I haven't been shooting long enough with it. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to struggle with it. I didn't want to ha- create a situation where I was going to regret it. So I just left it off. And now since se- hunting season's over with, I put it back on there and it is a, uh, a definitely game changer for, it. I really, I don't know why I didn't put it on there and keep left it on there and keep it on there. But I guess it was always like, it was always an ounce thing for me too. Cause like my impulse 31 from elite, it's six pounds just with everything on it without the quiver. And then I switched to my, my uh, Denali that it's 34 axle axle. Everything loaded out on with my aluminum arrows is over. It's just about eight pounds. I said, that's a heavy bow, but it's like, I'm looking forward to shooting it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's well, it's an addiction. It, like we say, it is, it is. I'll tell you what, my wife thinks I'm crazy. And especially when season starts to get closer, she's like, why are you always on your phone all the time? I was like, Oh, it's checking a deer walk by deer camera. <laughs> like, are you looking at deer porn again? I was like, yes, ma'am. Sorry. <laughs> that is hilarious. But as but the cellular technology for cameras has been a game changer. It's like it saves so much more time. You're not going out there pulling cards and swapping them out. It's like now you're just like, oh, this is awesome. And I just saved me like an hour's worth of work. Well, especially for me, because like I said, I'm I'm about three and a half hours away. So I run, you know, a dozen cameras and um I for whatever reason still have some old ones and you know that's always still the present though it's always the present to pull the card and you know we, the cell 
I will say the cell cams are awesome and that it's, it's, it's an instant gratification. All right. But I, I probably still have a half a dozen or a dozen regular cameras that have SIM, SIM cards that you got to pop out. And those are the moments when I'm walking to the deer stand and I, I grab that card when I get up, it's like Christmas morning. You're like, what, you know, you're like, what is it? What is it? What, you know? And so it's still, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, you, you never know um, because my, my regular cell cams are kind of on the high traffic areas around, you know, around the field edges and stuff like that. And some of those, some of those uh, uh, regular cameras are in the deep, dark timber that, you know, really there's some spots that cell cams don't work um, just due to service. And so it's fun to pull those still and, and, and see what's, what's happened over, you know, a month's period. I like to leave them out for a while and, and not bother them, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of fun too. Yeah. I, I like that aspect too. I have a couple of them that are in areas that are difficult to get that don't get cell service. So it's one of those things where it's like, it's always, it's always a, an adventure to what's, what you're going to, what you're going to find. But now I've gotten to the point where I have duplicate, I have cards for every two cards for every camera. So this way I'm not trying to, I, I did that whole thing for a while. I was like, Hey, I'll, I'll get the Jack, put on my phone and transfer them all off and then put them back in there. Yeah. That was, that was a waste of time. And then it's like, they're not that expensive. I just, you, you can buy a 16 gig for eight bucks at Walmart. It's like, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, for sure. So what's next on your list? What do you got left? What do you go to, what are you rolling out for this upcoming, uh, uh, season for turkey season. You said you wanted to. You were well, saying you were mentioning about some, knives. We're going to be some, doing some turkey inspired blades. I think. Um, in fact, I've got eight of them here that I'm going to try to get out. I know we're kind of running on. It seems like we're always running on a deadline, up to the deadline. Um, but there's some uh, there's some new stuff. Uh, there's a um, without giving away too much. I'm looking at potentially doing a uh, like a a hatchet or something that can be used out in the field so that's that's on my list that's kind of been on my list we're looking at a uh, a new folder um a new design on that that and if you didn't know um you know if you look at our folders the the uh, rhino which i have here is inspired by it's really the ranger so if you think of the, the ranger geometry shrunk down that's what the rhino is the pursuit is the pursuit. So I did make a knife called the pursuit. So it's off the same geometry. We're going to be using and leveraging the intrepid geometry and uh, putting out a new folder. And along with that, we're just going to hopefully ramp up production and uh, have a lot more stuff that's in stock and ready to buy, so to speak. The, the challenge with that is we do so much personalization. And I think we, we talked about that a little bit. You know, how can we make this knife super special? Uh, to this person, whether it's a Bible verse, whether it's a saying, whatever it may be, that makes that person either smile, giggle, or, or you know, whatever it may be. And so um, it's hard to kind of have a ton of those in stock for production because there's a process. You really want to do that lasering uh, before you do any finishing. And so um, we're trying to kind of figure out the best way to to skin that and. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we've got a, hopefully two to three more knife designs coming out. I'm redesigning uh, the whitetail knife um, and probably doing a, a few tweaks to the feather light, hopefully coming out with this hatchet and should be a really, should be a really interesting, you know, 
next six months, so to speak. So a lot of stuff going on in the shop, but I mean, there's, it's, we try to come out with, we try to come out with about one to two knives and that doesn't sound like a lot, but the problem is we're still selling. I kind of wrote down a list. So we've got the Ranger. I redesigned the Ranger. So it's Ranger 2.0. So there's really two designs and two models there. We've got the wilderness. We've got the pursuit. We've got what I call the bow rack knife, which is, there's no name for it. We just called it the bow rack knife. Um, we've got the, the white tail. We've got the rhino. We've got the pursuit folder, which you have the intrepid and the feather light. And so we try to come out with one or two. Uh, and like I said, any knife maker will tell you that it's tough to, to do prototyping because when the orders are coming in for all these other knives, you know, it's like, what do you do? Do you fulfill the order or do you do the prototyping? So we've been, honestly, we've been talking about the prototype for the folder for about six months, but we got to tackle that. And I've got a prototype here for this hatchet um, and still trying to figure out how I want to, how I want to do that, but I'm hoping that we'll have probably three new models here uh, by the time season rolls around. So, with updates to some of the existing ones, that's exciting. So that's I'm kind of, looking forward that's to it. Kind of, yeah, and there's uh, without spilling the beans, there's there's going to be uh, a couple things that will be really cool. Um, and I don't say that anybody that knows me will tell you that I don't get excited about anything that I do. Everything I, I, I don't want to say put down, but I always say, oh, I could do that better. Man, eh, that one's not that great. But I, I am excited about something that hopefully will be uh, happening here within the next 15 to 20 days. And so there's going to be a couple Ranger models that come out that I think are going to shock some people. They're going to be really, really cool. So I'll just leave it at that. I think for the first one, I may gift it to someone uh, just simply because it's going to make them either smile or uh, laugh. It's, it's going to be good. So we've got a couple of tricks up our sleeve that, you know, that we want to try to stay fresh and new. And, um, but really we've, we've really just been keeping our heads down. We've, we haven't had a lot of presence on social media. It's not because we're not making knives. It's because we're trying to get stuff done for people that have, you know, placed their trust in us. And, you know, when, when we've got really a two person operation, it's, it's full time. Most people work from, you know, eight to five, we're going, you know, seven to seven to one <laughs> in the morning all the time. So, but we wouldn't trade it for anything. And it's, it's a pure blessing. And like I said, you know, what's really cool about our business are is really the people and the people that you meet along the way, you know, the Chris Hams of the world, right? you know, I mean, being able to call him a friend and, you know, just people all throughout and they're not always good. I'll tell you that. And I've learned from social media that, you know, <laughs> not everyone is always who they appear to be, but, um, for the most part, um, I've met some really, truly, uh, good folks that I would consider to call a dear friend. So, um, it's been a really, really cool ride. And, uh, you know, it's just, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what's in store. Uh, you know, we just, we just really try to keep our heads down and work and hopefully it all works out. <laughs> I know that, I know that feeling, man, I do put in so much time, but uh, the, the, this latter part of the year, December or November and December of 2021, my podcast listens have been increasing. Like I remember my first start off seeing 30, 50, 60, 70. Now I'm consistently any, like this from January 1st till now I'm consistently seeing triple digit downloads and now I'm now I'm starting to see 
some older episodes getting more attention now. So it's like people are going back into the catalog and such. And the amount of emails I get, like, hey, well, let's monetize you. Let's do this, let's do that. And it's like, you know, you have to be more be more worried. It's like, well, are you a scam or what's, what's your deal here? It's like, you do understand. I talk about spoilers and the left doesn't like that. I, I, I and I'm, I'm, I'll be launching another podcast here in a few weeks which will be called after dark and it's going to only going to be talking about spoiler alerts we're going to talk about what's going on with the imf the swift system the world economic forum we're going to be deep and diving deep so it's like going to be the uh, the tinfoil out outdoorsman is my tagline right there because i spent i spent a lot of time going deep into that stuff yeah the, I, i'll tell you i really enjoy uh the podcast though um and just podcasting in general, um, I, th- this is probably within the last year and kind of got back into, you know, the physical, physical aspect of training and, and whatnot. And it's a really good time to catch up if you're going for a long run and just listening to folks and, you know, there's, it's, it's fun. I, I really think things have changed, uh, as it relates to just podcasting in general. I think there things have gotten a lot more interesting um people can be you know just up front and just be normal human beings and it's enjoyable to listen to that is the way to be because it's like in this digital world it's like you are very transparent if you are not who you say you are it's like you it's you the the audience will turn against you almost in a sense because it's better to yeah you'll get essentially you found out if you're being fake and such and i, I just i just love what i do man it's it's absolutely a blessing I'm, I'm booked out for the next six weeks so i'm pretty happy about that i got podcast launched already so it has been a whirlwind and it's like chris has been a big uh, pivotal uh moment in my career like when i when i started meeting new people like meeting you and dave and he's always introducing me to new people like uh jeremy from toxin and introducing people to the outdoors has been an absolute fantastic ride and i wouldn't trade it for the world because it's like it's been a blessing that's awesome yeah that's that's awesome so on that note, my friend, I'm going to let you go because we, we, we've pounded out in over an hour here and we've had on some really t- powerful topics here. And I'm really excited about what you have up your sleeve in the next 20 days and your turkey knives and stuff. And so you, you got to get some sleep. <laughs> oh, no, we're good. It's like I said, it's all good. Yeah, it'll be uh, you'll know it when you see it. And uh, I think, uh, like I said, I'll just say that uh, it's going to be the way they're finished is I think it'll be interesting. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Excellent. Shoot me over a couple links with your regarding the um, laser. So this way I can look them up and stuff like that to figure out what they have in their catalog that makes sense for me. I will. I will do that. Cool. Excellent. Well, thank you, Shay, for coming on. I appreciate your time. The one and only Shay Butler and uh, tell people how we can reach you, how we can find you. Uh, well, you can, um, you can find me on Instagram, um, at Shea Butler knives. Uh, I, we are on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Um, I'll admittedly tell you that I don't check it very often. So if you really need to get a hold of me, uh, the best way is Instagram. And then we have a website, uh, www.sheabutlerknives.com. And you can find all the good stuff there. We, uh, well, there's not a lot of stuff in stock and everything's a build. So if you're looking for a knife and you want to build something, you can, you can find that there. But there will be some new things that we're going to be doing with uh, some in-stock ready-to-go knives for you guys that are looking to get something. And so we'll be changing and announcing some new and exciting stuff here probably in the next uh, month or two. So, yeah. There we have it, folks. Thank you, Shay. You have yourself a wonderful evening. 
All right, cool. Thanks, man. You're welcome.